Good morning, church family. And I want to welcome you if this is your first time with us. Uh, glad that you're here. You're, you're our guest for like 30 seconds and then your family. So um, please come back anytime, all the time. Um, I need to talk about some things in life that I need to know a little bit more information before I buy or before I meet whoever. Um, it's, it's kind of like avoiding the buying something sight unseen, right? Uh, it's great to go to Texas Roadhouse. I'm not getting endorsed by them, by the way. Uh, but you can choose your steak. You know, you go in, you know what you're going to get for food. Uh, you go to uh, Red Lobster, which Carrie and I never go. She doesn't like seafood anyway. But, you know, you can choose your lobster, and that's what freaks her out. She doesn't want to see this live, cute little lobster that's going to be dinner. Um, so there's some situations like that. Uh, dating apps have revolutionized relationship building. Am I right? Because back in the day, you didn't have a clue about who you were going to go on a first date with. You might have seen them around. But now these apps, you can go and see, find their social media, see what football teams they like, uh, all sorts of stuff. So you get a pretty good picture before your first date even. Uh, to buy a, a house sight unseen is probably not a good idea, or a car for that matter. Um, if you are going to paint a room in your house, you don't just go randomly pick up a gallon of paint from Lowe's, right? And go paint like you choose your color. You want to know what it's going to look like. And there's cool apps for that, by the way. Have you guys played with that? Uh, you have a picture of your, or you have your, you're in your room and you can pick whatever paint color and it shows you like what it'll be. Anyway, there's a lot of great information out there uh, to help you make a decision. Here's what I love about what we see in the entire book uh, that God has given us, is God lays everything out for us to understand who Jesus is, who he is, the access that we have to the Father through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, we get, we get a pretty decent picture of who Jesus is. And all through John, uh, we have seen... Everything that Jesus has laid out of who he is, his claims who he is, like it should be pretty obvious to make a decision. Um, and that's what we're going to look at. Because it hasn't been so easy for people to make a decision, or they've just completely rejected it, uh, or rejected him. Um, but we're also going to see that this is kind of Jesus' last message. Uh, this is the last time publicly that he's going to teach. Uh, from here on out is going to be time with his disciples. Uh, and then going through the crucifixion. So this is kind of like his last time to say, hey, here's, here's who I am. Here, it's time to decide. It's time to believe. So turn with me. We're going to finish up chapter 12. We are, we are in John 12, uh, verses 36 to 50. And this is kind of the end of this chapter. It's this last time where Jesus, like I said, is, is teaching uh, and giving a message um, of who he is, kind of a last chance, a last call uh, to, to decide to believe in him. So read with me John 12, verses 36 to 50. It says, When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, 
Lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, I would heal them. Isaiah spoke these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in me who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has, has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So we have Jesus, his last time, uh, to kind of basically let people see who he is. Uh, for him to proclaim and say, hey, come to me. This is pretty much your last chance uh, to be able to do this. And so we see this last chance message from, from Jesus. Uh, and his goal is to reveal who God is. Back Way back, John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So that's the purpose, Jesus, why he is there. And he's been pretty open, very open with who he is. <clears throat> and God revealed himself in Jesus. And Jesus is like, do you want to know me? Here I am, full access. Uh, and with a lot of signs. We have seen all these signs all the way through the book of John so far. Turning water to wine, healing the official son, uh, the healing of the lame, lame man at the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda Bethesda, the feeding of the 5,000, and then he walks on water, uh, heals the man born blind, raises Lazarus, like of all the signs, raising someone from the dead. It's like, hello, here I am. Uh, and then John even ends the book in chapter 20, admitting that there's a lot more signs that he didn't even mention uh, that Jesus did with his disciples. And as we've seen in, in our frustration, because we're like, Jesus is right there. Why would we not pick him? We've seen three different responses, haven't we? Uh, we've seen those who are all in with him, who believe him, who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. Uh, we have those who are like, man, that's a really cool sign. You know, show us some more tricks. You know, they're pretty impressed. Maybe enjoy his teaching a little bit. But really, when it comes down to it, and here's quoting John Kimson, they were like, meh, you know. I'll take, take him for what he is, but it's not changing my life. And then there are those who don't believe, who have absolutely rejected him, and are, would rather that he are, is killed and, and removed from this earth uh, because of the impact that he's having. So we see uh, all that, that Jesus has had to deal with and the responses. Uh, I want to take this passage that I read to you and kind of flip, flip the script a little bit I want to look first at verses 44 to 50. I want us to take a look at what Jesus is giving, what this message is, this last chance message from Jesus. Uh, and then finish with, if this message from Jesus is so great, 
why are there still some who don't believe? And we'll go back up to 36 to 43. Uh, So this last chance message from Jesus, uh, his first point is this proclamation. And you can write this down. Anyone can get in on this. This message is for all. Uh, Verse 44 says, and Jesus cried out. That is proclaiming. That is uh, cried out. It mentions something of a raven screeching. Um, you know, and to raise his voice to proclaim for the world to hear that whoever comes to him. Now, I, some people say I have a loud voice. I don't believe it. Okay. Carrie complains all the time, even at the house. I still have people coming from the other side of the grocery store. I knew that was you. I heard you all the way across the store. But here's Jesus being intentional, like, hello, come to me. Whoever believes in me, uh, will see me, will see the Father. And so it is this last call to all. Uh, that all are invited. Anyone can get in on who he is. Uh, and with that, that, this proclamation of whoever believes in me. Uh, and we see that in John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that what? Whoever believes in him will not perish. So there's that key belief. And not just statement. A lot of people were like, oh yeah, I know who Jesus is. But it's believing, putting our faith absolutely in who he is and in Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord. And then we see that Jesus says, if you see me, you see the Father. Uh, Verse 44 and 45 and then 49 and 50 gives us connection of who Jesus is and why he's there. And it's all about the Father. Uh, Verse 44 says, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. Verse 49, For I have not spoken of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Jesus isn't just like, hey, I'm a really good teacher. You know, his presentations are on point. You know, keeps the crowd, uh, keeps their attention. And so we know of this, that Jesus is a good teacher. And he's not just saying, hey, trust me, you know, I've got, I've got a good book out, by the way, if you want to purchase my book. It's called Jesus of Nazareth's Key to Right Living and Eternal Life. Right? Like, hey, I, I've got some ideas of how to live, uh, how to get to heaven. And some of us would be like, you know, if Average Joe did that, we'd be like, oh, hold on a second. Um, because how often, by the way, are we on social media, websites, books and we get information and we're like oh i told you that was the truth well where'd the source come from um and jesus is like look you can hear my words and believe me but you also need to know that i am speaking for the father Uh, and so my words my this source of what i am giving you is truth and in this truth is going to be eternal life Uh, And so Jesus is saying that all that he is saying, all of his words, comes from God. Uh, The Father and Son are one. They are inseparable. And so this claim of this relationship is also vital to who Jesus is. And then he says in this message, I came to bring you out of the darkness. Verse 46, uh, that I have come into the world as light, and so whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. And we've seen this all the way through the book of John. uh, That he, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness. He is the true light. He is the light of the world. You have the light. Believe in the light so that you may become sons and daughters of light. We finished with that last week. Uh, So all through the book of John, we see this light theme all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, In Psalm 27, declares, The Lord is my light and my salvation. In Psalm 44, O send out your light and your truth, let them lead me. Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Then we have Isaiah that predicts the future that will be fulfilled in Revelation of this picture that we don't need any other source of light because we will have the light. Um, that We will have the Lord for an everlasting light. Uh, and then other places in the New Testament where it is obvious that there is an important theological element of light and who Jesus is as light in our lives. And so he has come to bring us out of darkness. Uh, And here's a word before that that says, whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. That word remain is problematic uh, because what that means is we are in sin. We are already in the dark. Uh, It is our default setting in this fallen world that we are in the darkness. uh, And it is Christ that brings the light. We aren't on this middle kind of neutral ground where we kind of get to live life and then have to make a decision for the dark or for the light. No, we're in the dark. Uh, this This is our state. This is who we are as sinners in this fallen world. Uh, and so Jesus coming to be the light, to, to give access to the light, to God for forgiveness, only can come through him. And so we need to understand that. And then he says, I came to save the world, not judge it. Uh, verses 47 and 48 says this. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. So we have now Jesus saying, look, I came to save you, not to judge you. By the way, you're already judged. You're in the dark. I came to be the light to, get, to save you to rescue you. Uh, and, but if you're not going to listen, if you're not going to believe, if you're not going to see who I am as a son of God, then you're going to miss out. And you had your chance to listen, but you didn't. Let me read to you John 3, verses 17 and 18. It'll also be on the screen. Here's an, another passage that describes this love that God has for us. Uh, of course, following John 3:16. Uh, But John 3, 17 and 18 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, or in the darkness, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So we know that we are already in the dark. We are already here, but Jesus is saying, I came to save you. I came to rescue you, to love you, to forgive you. This is where grace and mercy and love come in. How obvious is this? That Jesus has given us full access to who he is, that's going to give us access to the Father, the Holy Spirit's involved. How do people not decide? It blows my mind uh, to see this. 
But I know that all of us in this room have friends and coworkers and family members that you're like, it's right here. Like, how can you choose the darkness over the light? But yet, this is our reality. And this is, this is what we've seen all through the book of John. This should be blatantly obvious who Jesus is, but there are still some who don't believe. And let's take a look at why there are some who still don't believe. Going back up to verse 36 to 43. First of all, it's not because they haven't seen enough. Okay, we talked about all the signs. Jesus has been upfront, honest, blatantly honest with them. So they've had enough signs to see, uh, right? And Lazarus, of all the signs, back in John 11, here Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, saying, Lazarus, come forth. Uh, And Lazarus comes out, I mean, four days, super stinky, very dead. Like that that should have been enough, right? Every single person who was an eyewitness to that event should have been like, this is God. Like, there's no other way, right? Blatantly obvious. But what does it say in verse 45 of chapter 11 in John? Uh, this is after Lazarus comes out. It says, many of the Jews, therefore, believed in him. Many? It, why isn't it all? Why is it, The act of God is right there. And how do you not believe? Um, and yet we know that this is a reality even for today. Um, but it's not that, you know, and I sat there thinking, okay, if I was there, oh, yeah, I'd believe. Well, would I? Would you? You know, are we all of a sudden that much smarter than those people that were there? Are we that more in tune with our relationship with God? Do we really know who God is? Like, would we believe? So there's something more than just signs um, to what this unbelief looks like. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about next, that they are in a state of unbelief. Uh, because here's, listen to the statement, the state or the essence or the nature of unbelief is not to believe. All right? Deep I know. Okay? But to be in a state of unbelief simply means you don't believe. Like, anything that's going on, you've just like, nope. I don't, don't want anything to do with God. Um... I, I kind of understand who Jesus is. I've seen some great stuff. Uh, your church is great, but I just don't believe. Uh, and so to be in a state of unbelief means that you just simply don't believe. And we've seen that again all the way through the book of John. Blown away by, by how obvious Jesus has been. And there are going to be those who simply don't believe. Uh, and then John brings in uh, two quotes from Isaiah. One in verse 38 and one in 40. and 38, it says, Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Uh, so here's John connecting this prophecy of Isaiah. And this uh, verse 38 takes us back to Isaiah 53, actually kind of 52 to 53. Uh, it is the suffering servant. And this is where John is connecting Jesus to as the suffering servant. In uh, Isaiah 52, it describes the servant who will come with good news. And then it hits Isaiah 53. And Isaiah 53, 1 is this verse that says, Lord, who has believed that what he has heard from us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And the answer is no one. 
because we see through the rest of Isaiah 53, uh, what happens to the suffering servant is he has to die because he has been rejected. And there has to be a consequence paid for who he is. And we know that through that, in the case of Jesus, as a suffering servant, that Christ comes, he is rejected by many, and he has to die. And we know, and the cross is coming as we continue to journey through John. But why? It's because it was the plan of God. Uh, back in, let me read Isaiah 53, 6. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So that was a plan. Jesus knows all along that not everyone's going to receive him. The Father knows that. That's the plan. Uh, And as scattered as the sheep are, and we keep going our own way, and we refuse to obey and to listen and to believe who Jesus is, and it doesn't matter because the plan is for Christ to come anyway to take care of our sins, to die on the cross, to that the Father has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Uh, and so that's the ultimate goal. Uh, so the servant comes, no one wants him, they reject him, and it leads to his death. And how frustrating is that? That, uh, you know, God of all people is presenting the perfect plan for eternity. How many times have we been in a conversation with someone trying to correct one of our children or our spouse or something? And you're like, oh, I got to word this the right way so they fully understand, uh, so that I don't mess up, you know, what I'm trying to get across to them, so that they will understand the plan and then and then execute it with precision. Right? Has anyone else been frustrated with miscommunication with someone else? Here is God presenting the perfect plan, presenting it perfectly for all of us and this group there. But it's, people are still not going to get it. They're still not going to understand. Even directly from the Father, this plan that Jesus is fulfilling, that he has laid out, that in a state of belief, there are going to just be people who don't believe. Uh, And how frustrating is that? And then we see in verse 39 and 40, this kind of hard picture to at least to initially look at, that God hardens the hearts of those who will not believe. Let me read 39 and 40. It says, Therefore they could not believe. For again Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So now we have uh, this quote in verse 40 back to Isaiah 6. So earlier in the book of Isaiah, and it's actually from 610, and the beginning of Isaiah 6 is when Isaiah gets to go and see the throne of God, Uh, gets to see God on the throne, the train of his robe fills the temple, The seraphim are flying around proclaiming, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Uh, This amazing experience that Isaiah gets to experience. And he is blown away realizing that why in the world is he even there? All of the best that he can bring is nothing in comparison to the holiness of God. So he is like, "Woe woe is me, one who is of unclean lips. And what does the seraphim have to do? Get the the coal 
placed it on his lips, and then we see this picture of forgiveness um, and righteousness given to Isaiah to be able to be there. And then we see that God says, I need a messenger. I need someone to go. Who is going to go and give this message to the world? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. All right, this amazing commissioning that the Father, that the Lord is going to give to Isaiah after what Isaiah just experienced. But then look, look at what happens because uh, back in verse 40 of John 12 is this quote from 610. So all this has transpired and then this verse hits in Isaiah. It says, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart lest they see with the, their eyes and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. So Isaiah's like, hold on a second. I just experienced all of this. This is an easy message for me to share, the holiness of God, and you're telling me now that you're going to send me out and that there's going to be almost everyone won't believe me and won't believe this message that I have from you, Lord? And God basically says yes. And Isaiah's like, how long do I have to do this? And we see that it... God basically says, you never stop. You never stop. And that is such a picture for us in our evangelism, in our witnessing, uh, all the people I've shared my faith with, and the plan of salvation. They haven't all come running to the cross. There are a lot that have rejected. Uh, but here is, even in Isaiah's situation, that he's got to just be uh, diligent with the message of salvation. Here is Christ who is going to go to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, knowing that the majority are going to reject and to not believe. So we have this setup, and, and what, how do, what do we do with this statement that God blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts? Um, and it's not that they couldn't believe because God didn't let them, because that wouldn't be fair, right? God did, just didn't all of a sudden close the door. You know, there, there's not that neutral group where you can say, hey, darkness or light and god's like nope you don't get any light you only get darkness um it's more than that it's that it's it's clear back in verse 37 that the people are responsible uh in john 12 37 it says though he had done so many signs before them they still did not believe in him and part of the reason is they love the glory that comes from man and we see this in verse 43 uh, more than the glory that comes from God. But the reality is they just didn't want to see. They just are rejecting uh, God. They are rejecting Christ and his message. And this isn't God cursing certain people. It's allowing those who are choosing to stay in the darkness to stay in the darkness. Uh, we see this when we go to Exodus and look at this conversation and back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh. Okay, the passage ultimately ultimately says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But it starts with Pharaoh hardening his own heart. And again, a bunch of signs, all the plagues uh, that God brought forth, Pharaoh's, it says, hardened his heart. It also says that Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And then it says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So did Pharaoh... Pharaoh's attitude was just an absolute rejection of these signs that God provided. An absolute, nope, people aren't going anywhere, I'm living my life out, and his heart, he hardened his heart and rejected God. 
And God, we see this, that basically was like, if that's what you are deciding and your heart is hardened, then your heart, then I'm going to have your heart hardened. Um, Here's the thing, because God gives or gave Pharaoh basically what he chose, and he chose the darkness over the light. Um, And we need to understand that it's not about God being fair, because we have to be careful if we want God to be fair, don't we? Because if God is fair, we are all destined for hell. We have sin in our life. We are all sinners. No one righteous, no, not one. We have turned aside. No one does right, not even one. And the wages of sin is death. If we are going to talk about God being fair, we're on our way to hell. But we're not. Because God loves us so much that he sent the light. And so now we know that where we are, that we are in this darkness and we have to choose and believe. And there's going to be some and many who don't believe in Christ uh, and not receive the light and not go to the light. And let me end with a couple, a couple of more points. Uh, this last part of why people don't believe is verse 43, that they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Um, and it's that they loved so much the things of this world, the things that come from man and not God. And it's kind of the setup uh, of this. that says, if what you really want is comfort in this world, if you want approval of people, if you want people to be impressed with you, for all your choices to be affirmed, if you care more about what people think versus what God thinks, if that's what you really want, do you really want Jesus? If, if you are so concerned about the glory of man over the glory of God, is there room for Jesus in your life? And, and we're all guilty of this, but that ultimate extreme that I've shared about, remember Jesus said, hate those in your life, hate your life compared to the love that you have for me. There should be that much of an extreme of our life compared to our pursuit of Jesus as Lord and Savior. Uh, And when that is not there, we're missing something. And we're missing the mark. And are we going to fall on our face? Absolutely. But that's why we have the power of God in our life, Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, But here Jesus is laying this out that, that we have to completely go all in with him in our belief, completely give our lives totally in full surrender to him. Let me give you a quote from C.S. Lewis, and then I'll read a couple of verses, and then we'll be done. Here's a quote from C.S. Lewis in the book, The Great Divorce. It says, There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, Thy will be done. I am giving you all. I fully surrender. And then there are those to whom God says in the end, Thy will be done. You want to live your own will, your own life, do your own thing, reject who I am and and what I have to offer, that's fine. Then that's where you're going to be. Otherwise, we come to God and we say, Thy will be done. We live our life fully in full surrender to Him. I'm going to close by reading uh, back in in chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. I ended with this last week. Um, And it it fits right in. To close this morning, 
So Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons and daughters of light. Please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning that we continue to see your glory. That we continue to just get a taste and, and just a glimpse of who you are. Father, we have so much that we will never understand until we come face to face with you in eternity. But Father, I pray for our own journey on, on this earth in our faith and our believing in you that we continue to give you full lordship to make you king of our life. Father, and I pray for those in our life that we may not know if they are still in the darkness. Father, I pray for opportunities for us to share your light with those around us at home, at work, wherever we are. Father, there's a dark, lost world. I pray that you give us uh, just the opportunities uh, and the passion to live our lives out for your glory, shining that light who is Christ in us to those around us. Father, thank you for this morning. I pray that you truly have been glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.